Section 8 of Tales from Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tales from Dickens by Hallie Ermany Rivers. Barnaby Rudge. 2. The Mysterious Stranger and Who He Was. About this time, residents in the neighborhood of the Warren and the Maypole Inn began to tell tales of a mysterious man who roamed about the countryside. He was seen often and by many persons, always at night, skulking in the shadow or riding furiously on a horse. He was fierce and haggard and discourteous to travelers, wore a slouch hat which he never took off, and generally kept the lower part of his face muffled in a handkerchief. He always went alone. Some said he slept in churchyards, others that he never slept at all, and still others that he was a wicked man who had sold his soul to the evil one. One night he rested at the Maypole Inn, and a little while after he had gone, Varden, the locksmith, Dolly's father, as he drove home, found Edward Chester lying in the road having been wounded and robbed of his money. Barnaby Rudge had seen the attack and was bending over him. He had been too frightened to give aid, but from his description Varden knew the robber was the stranger who had stopped at the inn. The honest locksmith took Edward into his chaise, drove him to Barnaby's house, which was nearby, and left him in care of Mrs. Rudge, where a doctor soon dressed the wound, which was not serious. Next day Mr. Varden came to see how the wounded man was. As he sat talking with Mrs. Rudge, a tapping came at the window. She went to the door. The locksmith heard her cry out, and sprang forward to find, standing there, to his astonishment, the robber of the night before. He grasped at him, but the woman threw herself before him, clasped his arm, and besought him, for her life's sake, not to pursue the man. The locksmith had known Barnaby's mother all his life, but so strange was her action now, especially since she refused to answer any question, begging him to ask her nothing, that he almost wondered if she herself could be in league with a crime-doer. Her apparent agony touched him, however, and raising no alarm, he went home in great puzzle of mind. He would have been far more disturbed if he had known the whole truth, for the mysterious stranger he had seen, who by night had haunted the neighborhood, was none other than Mrs. Rudge's husband, Barnaby's father, the steward who everybody believed had been murdered with his master and whose body had been found in the pond. Rudge himself had committed that wicked deed. He had killed both master and gardener, and to cover the crime had put his own clothes, his watch and ring on the latter's body, and sunk it in the pond. When, on the night of the murder, he told his wife what he had done, she had shrunk fearfully from him, declaring that, although being his wife, she would not give him up to justice, yet she would never own him or shelter him. He had fled then with the money he had stolen, and that night, while she lay sick with horror, Barnaby had been born with his poor crazed brain, the look of terror in his baby face, and the birthmark of blood on his wrist. For many years the guilty wretch had wandered the earth, but he could not escape the knowledge of his deed. And at last his conscience had driven him back to the scene of his crime, friendless, penniless, fearful of the sunlight, slinking by night like a ghost about the house in which he had murdered his master, and hounding his miserable wife for money with which to buy food and drink. The poor woman had kept her terrible secret, giving him every coin she could save, striving so that Barnaby, unhappily born as he was, should never know the shame of having his father suffer death on the gallows. When Rudge had come to her house that day, he had thought her alone, and she had saved him from capture only by begging the locksmith to stay his hand. 
After his hairbreadth escape from Varden, Rudge hid himself in a narrow street. When the next dawn came, as he searched for some dark den in which he might lie sheltered till another night, he saw Simon Tappertit issuing with his noisy apprentice crew from the cellar in which they held their meetings. He entered its door, made friends with the villainous blind man who kept it, and there established his headquarters. Once more, one night after the wounded Edward had been taken to his own home, Rudge hunted out his trembling wife and demanded money, threatening to bring harm to Barnaby if she refused him, and she gave him all she had. But this time dread of him made her desperate. When morning came she went to Haredale and told him that she and her son could no longer live on his bounty. The next day, with Barnaby, who carried on his back his beloved raven, Grip, she left the house afoot, telling no one where they were going, lest her husband find her out, and pushed far into the country to find a home in some obscure village. And though Rudge, the murderer, and the blind man, who was much more crafty and cunning than many men with eyesight, searched for them everywhere, it was a long time before they found any trace. Perhaps Joe and Dolly Varden missed poor cheery Barnaby more than did anyone else, but several events occurred soon after this that gave them other things to think of. Maypole Hugh, the savage hostler, had continued his spying work for Edward's father, and Sir John determined it was high time to break off his son's attachment for Emma Haredale. One day Dolly was carrying a letter from Emma at the Warren to Edward, and as she passed through the fields, Hugh attacked her, throwing his arms around her and pretending to make coarse love to her. She was dreadfully frightened and screamed as loud as she could. Joe, as it happened, was walking within sound of her voice and ran like the wind to her aid. In another moment, Hugh had leaped the hedge and disappeared, and Dolly was sobbing in her rescuer's arms. She was afraid to tell Joe who had frightened her, for fear the hostler would take his revenge by harming him so she only said she had been attacked by a man whom she had never seen. In her scare, she had forgotten all about the letter she had carried, and now she discovered it was gone. It was nowhere to be found. This, of course, was because Hugh had stolen it. It was to get the letter that he had frightened her, and he was soon on his way to carry it to Sir John. Dolly did not guess this. She wrote to Emma, telling her of the mishap, and this note to Joe, to whom she entrusted it, knowing no reason to distrust the hostler, gave to Hugh to deliver. So Sir John got both missives in the end. Emma Haredale, not understanding why Edward returned no answer to her letter, was hurt, and thought him cold. Sir John, seizing his opportunity, told her one day, pretending sorrow while he did so, that his son, naturally fickle, had fallen in love with someone else, to whom he was soon to be married. Emma, not dreaming the father of the man she loved could be such a false liar, believed him, and when Edward wrote her, speaking of his poverty and telling her he was going to leave England to try to better his prospects, she thought his manly letter only an excuse to part from her. Proud though heartbroken, she did not answer it, and so, thanks to his father's selfish scheming, Edward sailed away to the West Indies, hopeless and despairing. Another left England at the same time, whose going meant far more to Dolly Varden. This was Joe. His father, the innkeeper, had been restraining him more and more, until his treatment had become the jest of the countryside, and Joe had chafed to the point of rebellion at the jibes that continually met him. One day, at the jeer of an old enemy of his, his wrath boiled over. He sprang upon him and thrashed him soundly in the inn before the assembled guests. 
Then, knowing his father would never forgive him, he went to his own room and barricaded the door. That night Joe let himself down from his window, and before daylight was in London. He first went to the locksmith's house to tell Dolly he had run away and that he loved her, but Dolly, being a flirt, only laughed. To tell the truth, she was so very fond of Joe that she didn't like to show him how sorry she was. So the poor fellow went away thinking she cared very little, though as soon as he was out of sight she nearly cried her eyes out, and enlisted as a soldier. That same night Joe started from London to fight in the war in America, and it was a long time before either he or Edward Chester was heard of again. End of Section 8